1: no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
3: you are listening to KLRN radio where liberty and reason still reign doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you Antonio H told us great company got me connected and the day I went in I drove off in the car I wanted 100% worth your time need a car get started now and drive off as early as today just text finance f-i-n-a-n-c-e to three five seven nine eleven right now to get started that's finance f-i-n-a-n-c-e to three five seven nine eleven auto financing the easy way text finance to three five (sighs) seven nine eleven
5: you'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now, 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible, affordable, relevant. Call 800-910-1370. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world
1: has been lifted off of your shoulders. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org.
0: Sometimes writers feel lost, unsure why a passage may not be working. It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our writing into full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to enable writers to develop and grow, offering manuscript critiques and line edits through a mentoring editorial style. We also offer assistance on generating a writer's bio, for your websites blackwolf editorial services nurturing your writing into maturity for a full list of services visit blackwolfeditorial.com
5: you're listening to the spark radio network internet radio like you've never heard before innovation creativity and imagination are all said to begin with a spark so fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark Swing for the fences. It's like this heart, is defenseless. Against the passion that's pumping through my veins. Blood, sweat, tears, it's a call in. And if I can't
4: walk, then I'm crawling. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rick Robinson. We are live right now on KLR and radio.com, and you are about 60 seconds away from the beginning of the America off the rail show. After the opening monologue, we have a very special guest joining us for the first about half-ish, three-quarters of the show. We have Andrew Spino from Right on Crime that's going to be joining us. We're going to be taking things local for a bit, but criminal justice reform is actually a national problem. I'm glad to see President Trump starting to make uh, talk—well, actually have conversations about— Trying to make things better, we're gonna take things local for the first bit of the show. Then we're gonna—I I promise you guys—there would be Halloween scary stuff. We're gonna talk about the national debt, you know that thing that it's not cool to talk about with a Republican in office. Um, but we're gonna talk about it anyway, uh, right here on America Off the Rails. Stay tuned. We're gonna kick things off here in about sixty seconds. Don't go away. It's your name
3: you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-783-0810 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-783-0810. Again, that's 800 783 810 What you do, Rick. You're my favorite host. Favorite Favorite
7: host. I'm going after
1: rails
5: on a crazy train. I'm going after rails on a crazy train.
7: I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble. Gum.
4: That's right, folks. Even on Halloween, I am all out of bubblegum. This is Rick Robinson. We are live right now on klrnradio.com, and you are listening to America Off the Rails. If you missed it, the last two hours on KLRN Radio were absolutely amazing. We had a mashup between the conservative curmudgeon radio show, the FUBAR One Nation Under Foo show, and special guests, uh, complete with a special Halloween intros, outros, bumpers, all that cool stuff. Uh, The one thing that I didn't get a chance to do because I was prepping for my show, too, uh, was I was going to kind of mix in some scary sound effects along the way, but I just never got a chance to get it done. Uh, But speaking of my show, we're going to take the first break here in just about 30 seconds. When I come back, we have a guest. We have Andrew Spino from Right on Crime. Some of you from the local Oklahoma area might recognize him as a former news anchor here on KOCO Channel 5, the ABC affiliate. Um, He's also now the uh, the, – well, actually, I'll let him introduce himself in a second. Uh, That way I don't screw any of it up. But we're going to go ahead and take the first break. We're going to get it out of the way. And when I come back, we do have a very special guest. I've been looking forward to this. For those of you that were listening when I filled in on KOKC for those few shows, some of this is going to be a rehash, but I hope you hang around and listen anyway. For those of you that are listening from outside the Oklahoma area, I do encourage you just to still listen anyway. Criminal justice reform is a very big deal, and us we're going to be we're going to be spending a lot of the show talking about that. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rick Robinson. We are live right now on klrnradio.com. You are listening to America Off the Rails, and as promised, I have a guest. Actually, it's somebody that I met during my fill-in time over on KOKC 1520. We have Andrew Spino with us today. Good evening, Mr. Spino. How are you? I know everybody just called you Spino, but I felt that was kind of important to get the mister in there at least once. That
7: uh, That's fine. I've been called once. How are you? And happy home.
4: Happy Halloween to you, sir. Yeah, I've, I've been called worse as well, but we won't mention Exodus tonight. All right, so uh, so let's kind of start from the beginning. Since uh, this is probably the first time that anybody over here has heard too much from you, at least directly from KLRM Radio, why don't you kind of start from the beginning, tell folks a little bit about who you are, and then we'll kind of go from there.
7: Well, I'll keep it short because it's not very interesting. I'm uh, the state director for an organization called Right on Crime, and what we do is advocate for conservative criminal justice reform. Uh, this group started in Texas, initiated a number of reforms there about 12 years ago, and now is trying to duplicate the success that's in Texas and other states. The first state that they branched into was Oklahoma for very good reasons. We have some very distinct and unique problems here, but right on time now has initiated in about 12 states. Uh, but Oklahoma, uh, really needs to help.
4: Yeah, so we've talked about this a little bit on KOKC. So for those that have listened to us over there, it's going to be a bit of a rehash. But I'm going to kind of start from the beginning because um, one of the things that, I've, that has kind of become a passion of mine over the last few years is criminal justice reform. Because the more I dug into it, the more I realized exactly how messed up things are in this state. So you've talked about all these numbers before when I've had you on locally. So since we have exposure to a national audience now, why don't you tell folks some of the stuff that you're dealing with right now?
7: Well, those overall Oklahoma, incarceration
4: numbers, things like
7: that? Oklahoma is currently the number one incarcerator in the country. Uh, we have long been number one for women, uh, long been number two for, uh, number three for men, number two overall. But last year we overtook Louisiana as the number one incarcerator in the country because Louisiana passed a lot of these reforms that we are trying to get past here in Oklahoma. Uh, To put into perspective how serious the problem is in Oklahoma, uh, the country in the world that incarcerates the most women per capita is Thailand. Thailand is a third-world country notorious for human rights abuses and a corrupt criminal justice system. Per capita, Thailand puts more women behind bars than anyone else. Oklahoma incarcerates women at double the rate of Thailand. That should tell everyone that something here is not working correctly. We must figure it out what it is and we must fix it. Um, the uh governor, uh Governor Fallon had a uh, task force on criminal justice uh which he formed about two years ago to coincide with the passage of our state question in twenty sixteen of the state question seven eighty. Now, before seven eighty passed, uh Oklahoma's prison population was projected to go up thirty percent over the next ten years. So we passed this pretty significant criminal justice reform in State Question 780, which passed by a 60 percent margin in a popular vote—a landslide by any measure. So after 780 is passed, now Oklahoma's prison population is projected to go up 25 percent over the next 10 years. So 780 is a great first step, critical but must not.
1: With the Lucky Landslides, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
7: Out of the governor's task force report came seven bills, well, 12 bills total came out of it, but seven specifically targeted to reduce the inmate population in Oklahoma. Those passed at the end of the last legislative session, but the final forms of those bills are so diluted, it's not going to make the impact that we hoped it would. If those bills had passed in their original form, Oklahoma's prison population was projected to go down over the 10 years. It would go up, but ultimately down over 10 years. So now at this point, in late 2018, with the passage of State Question 780, and the governor's seven criminal justice bills, our prison population is now projected to go up 12.5% over the next 10 years. Um, we've taken some great steps critical that they must not be the last step. And uh, it's uh, good timing that we're talking today, because yesterday, Department of Corrections Director Joe Alba put in his budget request for 2019, and it is uh, in excess of $1.2 billion. In there is um, more than $850 to construct two new prisons, which we desperately need. But that's simply to accommodate the growing population. It doesn't solve the problem. Of these very old, decrepit facilities, bursting with seems that still need to be replaced to not going below our prison population. So this this affects Oklahoma across the board, economically, uh, sociologically, and and I believe spiritually.
4: No, I completely agree. I mean, one of the things that I have brought up over and over again is the fact that. You know, we have one of two ways that we can look at this. Either the laws in our state are completely messed up somewhere, or we are the worst people per capita on the planet because we're arresting more people than anybody else and incarcerating more people than anybody else. I I don't believe that Oklahoma is a bad place to live, so that tells me that we have problems that have to be addressed at the legal level because we have some laws that are apparently – uh, not the way they should be. And I think, uh, now we've mentioned, we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, a lot of the stuff that's led to the increase in prison populations nationwide, actually, were a lot of the hard stances during the late 80s, early 90s when the, uh, the tough, uh, tough on crime stuff started going on because everybody had this general idea and it made sense logically at the time that, you know, if you put somebody in jail for five years for having a quarter of a joint in their pocket, they're obviously not going to have a quarter of a joint in their pocket. Sadly, logic didn't hold in that instance, and I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing the mess that we're seeing now.
7: Yeah, it, it, it made sense. Uh, on paper, it did not pan out in reality. Uh, the idea was simply deterrence. That just like you said, if someone knew that they were looking at a hard time because they were carrying a fraction of uh, you know an ounce of marijuana, people would stop using marijuana. anymore. That was the idea. Obviously, it didn't pan out in reality. And the clearest evidence of that, it's the fact that our prisons are bursting at the serious today. Uh, it's extremely expensive, and we're not getting the any outcomes we want. Uh, I think that's probably the most important is when we're advocating for conservative government, what we're advocating for is, is efficient government. Government that gets you the best possible outcomes at the lowest possible cost. Now let's go back to Texas for a second and talk about the reforms they enacted 12 years ago. 12 years ago, Texas was in the exact same situation Oklahoma the today. They were staring down the barrel of building several new prisons. Uh, They realized they simply cannot afford to sustain this system anymore, so they began to look at the entire criminal justice system. They implemented a number of reforms. Um, including restructuring, sentencing, and, 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 and in addition to a number of other things. The result is that um, in that 12 years, Texas has closed nine correctional facilities. They've saved an estimate of 2 to $3 billion, and public safety has improved. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the new FBI stats came out on violent crime, and violent crime has been lost in Texas. It has been since 1960. So they're getting better outcomes at a fractional cost, and that's what we got to do with it.
4: Now, I want to back up for a second, because you said over the last 12 years, they basically managed to save anywhere from, you said, 2 to $3 billion? Was that right?
7: Yeah. That's so, Texas ba- is much bigger than Oklahoma, but well, you yeah, know, no, it's, I, still, I, it's still a I, significant amount of money.
4: I was just trying to put that in perspective, because they basically s- managed to save our entire budget that Joao just asked for.
7: I know I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's, uh, that's a really good point. Maybe they can send it over to us. Uh, or even better yet, we come up with a solution so that they don't have to spend that money. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but there. I'm just saying
4: if we, if we, if we had, I mean, you know, I know we're Oklahomans, so we hate to say let's keep pace with Texas, but if we had done what Texas said by now, we wouldn't be needing $1.9 billion for our prison system. Just saying.
7: <laughs> Yeah, and, and we're at the point where we have to make an investment just in the basic infrastructure of the prisons. You know, uh Department of Correction gets neglected a lot because I think taxpayers believe, well, I don't want to give my money to a bunch of inmates, they go to the law, why should I give them money? Um, there's people at those facilities that's beyond the inmates. Uh, there are guards, there's administrative staff, there's medical staff, and we are talking about public safety. And our jails are bursting into cities, which Oklahoma, by the way, state prisons are at 113% capacity. But if you were to include all the inmates housed by the prisons and state inmates housed in county facilities, our prison population is actually at 153% capacity. And we simply cannot sustain it. We do not have the money. Uh, and, again, we're not getting the outcomes we want, so uh, we need to take a good look at what we can do to make things better.
4: So what are some of the things that you guys are working on um, from your perspective to try to make things better? I know you guys have got a lot of things in the works. You've already managed to accomplish quite a few things. For, since we do have some folks that I'm sure haven't listened to our back and forths before, why don't you kind of bring, thing, bring folks up to speed as to what you guys have going on over there?
7: Well, um, we'll talk about our objectives for the next legislative session, and it's going to be tricky because we are having a huge turnover in the Oklahoma legislature this year. Uh, by the first day of first session, by the first day of the next session in February, uh, the Oklahoma House will have a minimum of forty-one new members and a minimum of seventy-one who have been there two years or less. So it's going to be a challenge just in terms of the legislative process to catch all these lawmakers up to speed and explain why this is important, and then from that point, giving them to priorities. So we're really focusing, right on crime is focusing on two specific things. Now, it's important to point out that right on crime is part of a much larger coalition. um, We're not exactly affiliated affiliated with one another, but we're working together very well because we all have the same policy goals. The priority policy goals we write on crime next session are going to be number one, reducing fines and fees. Excuse me. Oklahoma has one of the most burdensome fines and fees processes in the country, and uh, fines are one thing. Fines are punitive; that's a punishment for committing the crime, and you know it's supposed to teach a lesson. and, And it's always been part of the process. What has piled on year after year after year are fees. Fees that are attached to your crime. In Oklahoma County alone, if you charge with a crime, there are 84 potential fees tacked onto your crime. That means we are trying to fund government on the backs of the people who really have the least money and the least, the most, the least access to acquiring money. And what happens is, if you're not able to pay these fees that the courts have assessed you, and I'm not talking about things related to your crime. I'm talking about like a voting safety fee, a trash pickup fee, a fee to pay for the Bar Association's law library. Those kinds of things that were funding on people who are criminally charged. Now, public safety is a core function of government. General justice, elections, the whole purpose, the whole reason we have these things in place is public safety. So if we can get a better rate of return on public safety with a fraction of the cost, we should. The problem with the fines and fees is, number one, the fees are so burdensome that once you're caught in the criminal justice system, it is extremely difficult to get out. The other thing is, if you don't pay the fees, guess what happens to you? The police come and they arrest you and they put you back in jail. Guess who pays for you to feed them? It's it's really a self-defeating system. from what is really, I believe, an inherent flaw in the way government is set up in Oklahoma. Uh, we really need to overhaul the criminal justice system so that every core function of government is properly funded on the front end so that places like district attorney's offices don't have to hustle and squint to make their budget by assessing and then collecting fees to convicts. Um, it, it's a system that has not worked well for us. And it's unsustainable. If we, don't, if we don't change it, the federal government going to come in and change it for us.
4: I'm actually you know, honestly surprised the federal government uh, hasn't yet, to be honest. Um, but, well, I mean, because, you know, talking about Joe
7: those – says he is skip oning the Federal Department of Corrections every day, just trying to keep them alive.
4: Well, I mean, the thing about it is you think about all those fines and fees that you were just talking about. Um, there are people that could make an argument that we've turned Oklahoma's, pr- uh, prison population into a debtor's prison because if you're going to jail because you can't pay something, that's technically, as far as I know, at least as far as the Supreme Court's concerned, that's unconstitutional. So I'm honestly surprised nobody's get, at least had that challenged yet, to be honest, just because of all the weird things they do throw in there. But I don't know enough well, about it, about it to say one thing or the other.
7: We have in Oklahoma, on the state level, just about every county, that can only be defined objectively as a good piece. Packing people who simply cannot pay, again, not the fees or crimes, but the fees that are attached to their crime. So that's something we really want to, uh, overhaul in Oklahoma, uh, the next legislative session. The other thing we're working on is, uh, misdemeanor probation that's handled by district attorney's officers. Um for years, a big chunk of the budget for district attorney's offices came from return checks. Uh, but about 12 years ago, people stopped writing checks. And so, the district attorney's offices lost that as a source of revenue. So what they did is they took the uh, probationary duties from the Department of Corrections and put it onto the district attorneys. And then if you're placed on probation, you have to pay a fee, minimum of $20 a month. And now that's only a big chunk of the DA's budgets. But the DA's, they don't want that. They don't want probationary. They don't want to have to chase people down, um, you know, run completely different staffs for, for supervision programs. Uh, that should be left up to the Department of Corrections. And as we look more and more into this, what we found is in these DA probationary programs, uh, two significant things. Number one, there are people who are on probation in multiple counties or multiple um, district attorneys districts, or both on the county and the state level. So that they're actually kind of getting a double dip on, triple dip on in some cases that we found, and they simply cannot sustain that. I and mean, that should be consolidated to some kind of statewide standards. We also need statewide standards on what find supervision. Uh, There's really nothing uh, in place that defines what needs to be done when someone is placed placed on probation. The whole point of probation is supervision. So if there's not genuine supervision, we have to ask what we're doing with people. And are we getting the outcomes of that? The the better the supervision, the more productive the supervision, the better the outcomes for the inmate and the lower the recidivism. The greater the odds of that person won't end up back in jail. And the two key factors. The determines whether someone will end up back in jail after serving a sentence, is stable job, stable house, and both are almost impossible when you're caught up in the criminal justice.
4: Yeah, it's it's all just a huge mess. All right, we've got a break coming up. Do you mind hanging out for another segment?
7: I reckon I could.
4: All right, folks, this is America Off the Rails. I'm your host Rick Robinson. We'll be back here in just about four minutes, so stay tuned.
2: dollars a pill. call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to 500 dollars and get 40 pills
1: with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
2: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
7: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time
2: <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: For just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602.
4: Right, folks welcome back this is america off the rails i'm your host rick Robinson. and hope everybody's having a great halloween for all you kids out there getting candy don't beat up anybody and take theirs that's just not a cool thing to do all right so we are live right now we have andrew spino from Mind right on crime joining us those of uh, those of you that were uh, following along with my escapades over on kokc 1520 you have probably heard him with me before uh, but we've decided to continue the conversation over here on klrnradio.com where liberty and reason still reign, and we are back right now. So we've been talking, well, we've been kind of all over the place with criminal justice reform. So we would started talking a little bit about you guys and uh, what your plan is for the next session. So let's expand things out just a little bit. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you could wave a magic wand and fix everything tomorrow. What would be the first thing you would want fixed?
7: Oh, that's an excellent question, and I like that question because I often ask that. What I didn't expect was for someone to ask me, so I'm going to have to think about it. Uh I would say I would say top priorities are doing all we can to safely reduce the prison population. Yeah, I talked about um on two projects coming out the fines and fees reform and uh district attorney probation reform. Uh but there really are more pressing issues. Those are kind of a pet projects, but collectively as a uh, coalition, uh our priorities are gonna be making seven eighty retroactive. Um, so that people who are currently serving time for drugs that would not get you prison time today can get out. Um, you know, before that passed, Oklahoma had some of the most draconian drug laws in the country. A second marijuana possession is a felony. Uh that's a tougher law than anyone else has. Now if you're caught with marijuana, if you have a medical card, it's fine. And even if you don't, if you save for medical purposes, it's a four hundred dollar fine. So we actually do have people who are serving time behind bars for marijuana possession, and is it really a public safety threat if they get out? That's what, that's what we need to assess. So we'd like to make that retroactive, and then also the governor's task force bills retroactive as well. That's, that's really top priority, because it has to be reducing the prison population. These issues like fines and fees, and DA probation, they're very important, but they're less urgent than reducing the population.
4: I would agree with that. I mean, honestly, for me, the one thing, if I had a magic wand, and I could just fix something overnight. The first thing that I would change is get us back to the point where we're actually locking up the people that we're afraid of, not the people that we're just mad at. Because we have a lot yeah. of locking up people that we're angry with in Oklahoma, not that we're afraid of.
7: Yeah, you're spot on. You know, Public safety is the reason we have this. And if someone doesn't present a public safety threat, within some exception. Of course, there's always exceptions, but for the most part, if someone does not present a public safety threat, there's really no reason to incarcerate Um However, Oklahoma has a lot of people incarcerated. The Department of Corrections, their own data shows that 75% of incoming inmates are there for non-violent crime convictions. So 75% of those coming in uh, are for non-violent crimes. 80% of those have no violent criminal history whatsoever, and half of those have no previous conviction whatsoever. So, uh, we're we're over overcarcerating, our focus is really in the wrong place. Uh, we should be trying to get the best rate of the attorney can for tax dollars when it comes to policy. And we are not. Not by a lot.
4: I mean, yeah, it's not, I mean, it, it, the over-incarceration is a big deal because it really is, but at the same time, the over-incarceration leads to so many other problems, like the fact that, you know, prison once was about rehabilitation, now it's just about housing.
7: Uh, yeah, again, well, Joe Albaugh, this is not the Department of Corrections, it's the Department of Warehouse. Um, it is simply sticking people, um, you know, into space. And a lot of the programs that used to exist that helped people get jobs and they got out of prison, those are gone. And they're gone for two reasons. Number one, the money that did go to those programs are now having to go to just basic food and shelter necessities for inmates. But then also, literally the spaces run out. What used to be classrooms are now packed wall to wall with bunk beds. There's not the physical space to hold these anymore. And they just keep cramming more and more people in. It. Uh we 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 are in a very uh, I, I think it's safe to say we are in a crisis. And the state is in peril, and Oklahoma obviously has issues. just like every state does, but I really hope lawmakers in the next session treat this as a top priority.
4: Uh well, from your lips to God's ears, because I, for one, am really—and I've said this when I was on, on KOKC—I'm really tired of Oklahoma being last when they should be first, and first when they should be last. And I feel like we're kind of in that category pretty much everywhere. Um, hey.
7: I, and, and there's not a good reason for that. I um, I heard a gubernatorial candidate say this once in 2002. I thought it was spot on, and I've repeated it a bunch of times since then. Is that Oklahoma is not a poor state. Oklahoma is a poorly managed state. There's no oversight or accountability on how state government and state agencies spend money. Um, it's, uh, it's it's an antiquated governmental system. Um, and uh, the fact is we need Oklahoma Oklahoma's a great place. We have tremendous natural resources here. We have wonderful landscapes. We have the tourism department. Oklahoma City is a booming city uh, economically. Um, there's no reason why we shouldn't be in the top ten of place. Instead, we're in the bottom. We really can only be traced back to poor management on the state government
4: no, I agree. I mean, I mean, take a look at our Constitution. That's probably one of the most confusing documents I think I've ever read in my life.
7: It's Well, if you read it, um, you beat my act. I couldn't get through it. It's, well, uh, it's full actually,
4: disclosure, it's, I made it about halfway through before I said, okay, I quit. But I did try.
7: Well, well you know, it's actually the longest government constitution in the world. It was written in 1907, during a big populist movement in this country. So stuff that should have been just statutory ended up in the Constitution. For instance, you know, the change in liquor laws in Oklahoma, just as of the first of this month, grocery stores and, uh, convenience stores could sell beer and wine where they couldn't before. Um, there, there had to be significant constitutional changes for that to happen. So, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that we chuck it all out the window and start from scratch, but uh, I think we, we need to restructure some of that.
4: You know, it's funny, that it's funny that you bring up the beer and wine thing because the funny thing is, my wife works in retail, and <clears throat> up until now, the only experience she'd ever had with wine was buying it through a liquor store. Now that right. she sees what her store is paying for it, she mm-hmm. she didn't realize there was like a hundred hundred to one hundred fifty percent markup on the wine that you're getting through a liquor store because nobody knew because that was the only place you could buy it.
7: <laughs> uh, that's right, and there were very strict laws on on how distributors could send out products, what products they could send. Um, I have not seen the significant drop in prices that I was hoping to see. Bottles of wine in Texas are about half the price that they are here. Uh, I'm hoping it'll get down to that level as competition blossoms.
4: Oh, I'm sure as more and more competition comes in, it probably will. But what I'm, what I'm curious to see is because now that everybody's seeing that six point beer really doesn't cost as much as it costs in a liquor store and wine doesn't necessarily cost as much as it costs in a liquor store, I'm wondering when... I'm wondering when the rest of it's going to, when everybody else is going to be like, okay, so if they're, they're charging that much for this, how much extra am I paying for my Jack Daniels?
7: <laughs> well, that's the beauty of the free market, Rick, is that some other uh, store owner will realize that he can turn a nice profit at a reduced price than So Uh, You know, a- as a heavy drinker, I'm hoping that it happens sooner than later.
4: I would. I'm not I'm not a heavy drinker but I, I I was i, I kind of had to tone it down um I I come from a long family of alcoholics so <laughs> but anyway um so we've got about 7 minutes left before we got to take the next break uh I have a couple of questions that I'd never thought to ask when you guys were on before um do you have any contact info for Right on Crime that you want to give out is there any way that people can I know you guys are a non-profit can people donate to help or how can they help or
7: well, if you want to donate, you would certainly appreciate it. We don't really go out soliciting donations. We offer kind of on grants. But um, if you wanted to donate, you certainly can. You can just go to rightoncrime.com, R-I-G-H-T, writeoncrime.com. Uh, right on Crime is actually kind of a subsidiary of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is a conservative think tank. Uh, you know, the Oklahoma Council on Public Affairs here in Oklahoma. Uh, this is Texas's version of that. Like everything in Texas, it's a visit. Um, but, uh, TPPF, Texas Public Policy Foundation, is, uh, is, is technically who I work for. The initiative is called Right on But, you know, if, if you're looking to give away money, you can just write me checks directly. That's A-N-D-R-E-W.
4: Yeah, I've tried that. That doesn't work. I have tried though. Alright, um, <laughs> so, while we, let's see, we've got, let's see, about six minutes left. So, I don't know, Um, what do you, are you got any big
7: plans for Halloween? Anything going on? Uh, boy, good question. You know, i have forgotten it was Halloween until early this afternoon and I'm way behind schedule. Um, I have razor blades to put in apples and rat poison to put in pixie sticks and I haven't even started yet. So <laughs> I am completely unprepared for Halloween at this point. But the kids should be rapping on the door within, uh, probably within an hour and a half. So, uh, I need to get cracking. Uh, how about you, Rick? Anything exciting for Halloween?
4: Um, actually, right before, um, this show started airing, we actually, we, we actually did a two hour, um, Halloween spooktacular. The actual, one of the hosts actually requested the night off, but those of us that don't have lives decided we were going to pick up the slack and put together a two hour thing. So that, that I'm sure that, that was, one way to spend Halloween. Uh, my kids are all grown now, so I mean, my youngest is about to be eighteen, so Halloween's not nearly as much fun as it used to be. Plus, we live out in the middle of nowhere, so it's not like anybody's going to come knock on the door.
7: Yeah, if you have a three-acre hike to the next door, it's uh, it's hardly worth it. Yeah, my kids are older too, so they don't have trick or treating. I think what's interesting about Halloween though know, is when I was a kid, many moons ago, um, a Halloween was strictly a kids' holiday. You know, you dressed up and you know, even trick or treating, and that was it. Uh, what's interesting is, is, sometime within the last 30 years, um, Halloween has become a major drinking house. I think it's like the third largest global day of the year, like New Year's Eve and St. Patty's Day and Halloween. Um, uh, an interesting shift. But, uh, getting back to what you said about you spectacular spectacularly special, if you're looking to go to Ghost Story in Oklahoma, you want to go up to Enid, Oklahoma to Garfield's Furniture, um, in 1903, there was a hotel called the Grand Avenue Hotel, and there was a guy who committed suicide in there in 1903, who uh, is rumored to haunt the building today. And the reason it's interesting is the guy who did that, the guy who killed himself, his name was David E. George, but on his deathbed, he confessed to a room full of people that he was actually John Wilkes Booth. And the owner of Garfield Furniture up in Enid, a guy named Russ Frazee, has preserved the room exactly as it was in 1903. And you can go there and take a tour, and it's really, really creepy. So if you're in the Enid area for Halloween, I suggest stopping by.
4: Yeah, actually, it's funny that you brought that up because one of the first times I heard you filling in during the same time I was on over there, I actually heard you tell that story, and I had never heard that before, which is kind of odd because I'm a huge history buff. I thought I pretty much knew everything about the area, so it was interesting to learn something new. Uh, All right. You know, as
7: far as historical accuracy, that's yeah, a little dicey, but uh, but it's yeah. fun.
4: It's most, most good stories in Oklahoma are historically dicey, but they're still good stories. <laughs> All right, well, believe it or not, my friend, we are just about out of time. Any last things you want to touch on on the way out?
7: Now I just want to thank you very much for, uh, for having me on. If people are listening, you know, much more important than donating money to my organization. Don't worry about that. But if you want to put in some effort, you'd be amazed at how effective it is when you call your lawmaker and tell them that you want something done. Lawmakers take contact from voters very, very soon. They have to be deferential to the will of the people. Democracy. Uh, so a handful of calls or emails have a significant impact on how lawmakers prioritize issues and how they vote. So don't be inhibited up about contacting your lawmaker, even just leaving a voicemail, leaving a note, sending an email. It matters to them, and it makes an impact. So feel free to do that.
4: Yeah, actually, that's one of the things that I normally try to remind folks to do is, um, well, honestly, one of the, the slogans I used to have for this show way back in the day was get off the couch, put down the remote, and find a way to get involved, even if it meant picking up a phone and calling your legislature." Um, so, I mean, it's one of the things that I always try to do, but, um, it's one of the things that I consider everybody talks about internet radio. Like, it's just this crazy fad that's eventually going to go away. I, I kind of think of it as grassroots radio because we're the guys that are actually doing it because we care, not because we're pulling in big paychecks from sponsors. So I think we have, we have ways to connect with people that a lot of folks don't think about until they become involved in podcasting because. I mean, look at, it, I mean, look at the, the, the numbers from podcasts right now. All over the country right now, the majority of ad revenue is actually starting to come in from podcasts. Um, and it's one of the things, years ago when I pitched this idea, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, think about it this way. In, the, in late 70s, early 80s, when cable TV first started picking up, everybody called it cable TV. Now it's just TV. This will eventually be the same thing. And everybody, and eventually everybody figured it out. Sadly, I was ahead of the curve, but not able to market it quick enough to really make any good money off of it. But I'm still working at it.
7: <laughs> at least you got it on the ground floor. This um, is true. Yeah, I, I think that's the future, and, and the greatest part is you're not subject to any government interference, like you would be from the FCC if you were on a, on the air. Soon. Yeah. Well,
4: that, 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 that will – first all you want. That will probably change soon enough, unfortunately, because the government does like to find a way to get involved in everything. All right, so that's going to do it for uh, this particular segment for America Off the Rails. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, as promised, we're going to get into some scary stuff for Halloween. We're going to talk about the the debt crisis that nobody's talking about anymore because, you know, there's a Republican in office now, so it's not cool to talk about the debt anymore. We'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned. All right, folks. Welcome back. We are live. This is KLRN Radio dot com, and if you missed it, you just missed my interview with Andrew Spino from Right on Crime, um, and we were talking about a bunch of well, actually thought, thought it was a fairly appropriate topic for Halloween, considering uh, the the prison system in Oklahoma is now right scary. Uh, we're going to take things back to the national level, um, so we're going to talk about something nobody's really talking about anymore, and this is a, you know the national debt. You know, Republicans have the House now; they have the Senate um and they have the white house and so we're not talking about it anymore but there's a very scary number um americans say they put a high priority on the strength on uh, strengthening the country and looking out for the next generation yet the federal government is on an irresponsible and unsustainable fiscal path with spending programs growing more quickly than the economy can keep up with and tax revenue projections cry, are projected to chronically fall short of spending even in relatively good economic times this leads to an ever greater dead burden. So I'm going to throw out a number. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? $21,697,502,722,082. That's our current national debt. That's not even talking about the unfunded liabilities portion of our national, of the overall debt. That's just the part that we, t- that, you know, that, that's just the, the part that we are supposed to be able to pay back. 21 trillion dollars. To make your life easy, if you just round it up, you might as well say 22 trillion So I want you to realize what we're talking about here. That is basically a 22 with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 zeros after it. But we're not talking about it. Why aren't we talking about it? We were talking about it almost every day when Barack Obama was in office. Is it not cool to talk about the debt anymore? Because now it's a Republican, so the debt don't the debt doesn't matter. Let me tell you, the debt still matters. And and don't get me wrong, there are positive things that have happened since uh, Donald Trump came into office that have been helping the debt. Our GDP is going nuts. Our economy is booming. We're bringing money back into the economy at a record pace. But you know, the tariffs were something that I was I was hoping were going to be a short term thing. They're hanging around a lot longer than I thought they were going to, to the point where now we're starting to see kind of weird little impacts. As an example, I mentioned uh, last one of the last segments, my wife works in retail. The little, the the really nasty, like tasty cake version of like Little Debbie stuff, like the really, really bad cheap ones that you can normally find if you're in the Midwest on sale somewhere usually for about a dollar, thanks to the tariffs are now $1.49. So it's almost a 50% markup. Now, we're, we're going to have to start being really careful with some of the stuff that we're that we're doing right now, because the tariffs are working in a lot of ways. He's brought some people back to the table, but the fact that we are now seeing that the prices start to go up on even little things to the point where it's almost a 50% price increase, it's a little, little scary to think about. I, <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, I warned you guys I was going to get a little scary towards the end of the show, you know, it's Halloween. You know, probably shouldn't have started talking about the national debt right before bedtime. Nobody's going to be able to sleep tonight now. But, you know, I just, I want to I want to keep that number out there because you, we're not talking about it anymore. And again, I know that the president's had to do a lot of things that have required spending. Like rebuilding our military. I get that. We were making fun of Germany and Russia for the last couple of hours because, well, uh, I actually... Yeah, Germany and Russia, because their Luftwaffe is in shambles in Germany. Uh, Russia, its last aircraft carrier that isn't actually being used as an oil platform, uh, just sank while in a floating dry dock. So, you know, we we talk about it all the time, all the money that we're spending on the military, but that's why. So I get that some of this spending is re- is necessary. And I will even take it one step further because I will tell you that that's pretty much the only thing that the Constitution says that the federal government's actually supposed to do: provide for common defense. So the military spending is actually within their purview. What's killing us is all of the other extra spending. We we went over this. We we do this um, annually. I uh, we did one beginning of this year. So. As things go around again, we'll be doing another one here pretty quick, but we do a, a waste and abuse show usually either on Jen and Rick or on this one, usually at least once a year. One of the last times that we did this show, one of the things that that stood out for me and I think this was actually a couple of shows ago because actually I think this year it was done on the conservative curmudgeon radio show, so I didn't duplicate um but when Jen and I did it a couple of years ago, we were talking about a compressed natural gas station in the Middle East that cost millions and millions of dollars to construct. And it was worthless because they don't even have that type of vehicle there. So that's one of the things that we really need to start seriously stopping and thinking about when we start talking about all this money that we're spending is how much of it is on completely insane stuff. We're spending millions of dollars for a compressed natural gas station in the Middle East, we're spending thousands of dollars to put shrimp on a treadmill. For what purpose? So, since we are just about out of time, I just just want to challenge you guys. Look, I know elections are coming up in just a few days, and I've been the one screaming for the last couple of months that at this point, you know, the Democrats are the ones that at this point need to be removed from office, period, end of sentence. And I still believe that. But that's only part of the equation. Because at this point, the reason the the Democrats need to be removed from the, the equation is because they've lost touch. They're now selling everybody down the river for socialism, socialism light, and pretty much any type of free program they can get their hands on. And we need a fiscally responsible party. We don't have one. Neither side is being fiscally responsible. The only way that we're going to be able to fix it at this point is to get rid of the worst of the two parties that are currently here and then bring in another party to replace the party that is being excised because they've become worthless and then at that point we can hopefully have a healthy two-party system where we have more common ground but we can start focusing on the last piece of the puzzle that really matters because there have been lots of turnarounds in this country over the last few couple of years but we are still spending money faster than we can bring it in and that has got to change all right folks well believe it or not this is going to do it for this particular episode of america off the rails for those of you hanging out with us tonight, I want to sincerely thank you for spending your Halloween with us. I Hope you guys had some fun. Hope you managed to find some time to squeeze in some time with family. And for those of you from my family that might be listening, um, to my cousin Lisa, my cousin Katie, my Aunt Gwen, and my Uncle Stan, wherever you might be. I love every single one of you. I wish I was there with you guys right now. Uncle Stan. I will see you again someday, sir. And hopefully we can shoot another game of pool. You guys take care. God bless. And I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to close. If you have friends and family that you haven't connected with, don't keep making the same mistake that I find myself making over and over again. You always think there's going to be more time. And then suddenly there isn't. So find them. Pick up a phone. Connect through Facebook. Facebook. People are a keystroke away at this point, so you've got no excuse. Until I see you guys again, in the words of Bill S. Preston Esquire, be excellent to each other.
3: It's, your name outlaw,
6: it's, it's running deeper than the ocean. this ain't religion, it's devotion.
5: Three, six, five, every minute, every day. So in the middle of the madness stretch me out like canvas, but I ain't ever gonna fit in their frame. I can't stop, I can't quit. It's in my heart, it's on my